Hello, everybody. Welcome to our luncheon. Hope everybody's had enough to eat. We usually do here at Maggiano's, right? Um, I'd like to remind everybody before I begin uh, making introductions, we will be on I.O. today, so just go on your uh, smart device in the browser, type in cornet.cnf.io, not 10, I.O., and that'll give you the ability today to uh, push questions up here to our speakers and our, through our moderator, okay? So my name's Tony Smaniato. I'm with Colliers. I'm part of the program's, uh, uh, one of the program's co-chairs along with uh, Margie Krakowski and Jerry Moore. Uh, this program was uh, built with the extreme efforts of uh, two of our uh, very active committee persons, John Bifro and Megan Stavriotis Cleary over here. They did a great job, so thank them when you see them. Uh, the program is going to be a great one today. It's been really interesting to watch this develop, so you're all going to enjoy it. And uh, I want to remind you, uh, besides the fact that there's very few real awards tables left for sale, <laughs> I'd like to remind you um, that in December we are going to have uh, Sarah Abrams from Iron Mountain come speak. It took us uh, many months to get her here, but as you know, she's the current reigning uh, CRE Executive of the Year uh, through Cornet Global, and we're really excited to have her come and speak on the many topics of which she has become expert. <clears throat> so, um, am I missing anything, Jerry? I think we're good. So I'd like to introduce our speakers, and I'm going to start with our uh, speaker and moderator, Deb Moritz from Cushman, from Cushman and Wakefield, um, another person who's active around the U.S. and the globe. Hard to pin down, but we got her, and we're really excited to have her. She, she oversees uh, the business consulting at CNW and reports directly to the CEO. Uh, she's got a lot of interesting things to talk about and to keep our panel going today. So I'd like to welcome up Deborah Moritz onto the stage. Give her a round of applause, please. And, and as she comes up, I'd just like to quickly announce who our other speakers are, and then uh, Deb will uh, introduce you to them better when they come up. So I'd like to uh, get a round of applause for Christine Congdon from Steelcase, who drove in from Grand Rapids today to see you all. And Mr. John Arenas, the CEO of Serendipity Labs, who's opening up a great facility next week. Uh, it couldn't be more timelier to have him here today. He came in to see us from New York. So a lot of well-traveled people here want to spend some time with you today. So thank you all for coming. Okay. Thank you, you very much. Price. I have a mic. Does the mic work? Yes, awesome. So I thought it would be perfectly appropriate to start with a picture of what work was like when I first started. <laughs> And I'm so thrilled that everybody in the room laughed. <laughs> um, the world of work has changed pretty dramatically over the last few years, for sure. It wasn't all that long ago, really, that place had a purpose, and the purpose of place was simply functionality. So when I started working for a living, things as simple as where is your admin located? Where is your printer? And where is your word processor, yes, word processor located, really drove what you did and where you did it. It wasn't all that much, uh, all that more, um, I think two years after I started working, we came out with the PC. And my first PC literally looked like a sewing machine case. You'd punch, the, the keyboard was connected to the bottom. The screen was about this big, and I traveled a lot at that time, carried that PC with me everywhere, and I think it weighed about as much as I did at that time. So clearly the world of work has changed pretty dramatically. 
Um, but what we thought we'd do today is talk about mobility. So we all know that mobility is a reality today, but how real is it? And how is mobility impacting the way we do portfolio planning and the way people are working within the space itself? So I'm really excited to have two very smart partners to help me with this conversation. Um, I really don't like to talk about myself very much, but I'm sure you're all wondering what makes me qualified to talk about this topic. I've been privileged enough to start working in mobility and workplace strategies over 20 years ago and had the privilege, my very first client was with Motorola here in Chicago, and we rolled out a global workplace program that actually won Cornet Innovators of the Year Award. So that's a very exciting experience, and I had a great team to help me with that effort. Um, in addition to that, we've done a lot of other interesting things, rolling out most recently um, new workplace solutions for AbbVie and my friends at ITW, where's my ITW partners? Um, so a lot of historic experience, a lot of recent experience, a lot of local, national, and global experience. Um, so lots of lessons learned and stories to share. So if we're gonna talk about mobility, we probably should start with a frame to really understand what does mobility look like today? How real is it? And has it changed at all over the last few years? So how prevalent is it? If you look at this chart here, this is done by the government, it's census data. We all know the pluses and minuses associated with census data, right? A little old, a little dated. But we said, let's look at this frame from two different perspectives. Let's look at teleworkers. And their definition of teleworkers are people whose place of work is primarily at the home, but by policy, they are not home-based workers. So does that make sense? They have the ability to work within two different locations. And hopefully everybody can see these numbers here. Um, but so if you look at the total numbers, 13.4 million or 9% 9, 9 of the US workers were teleworkers in 2010. That was up 7% from three years earlier. So clearly it's still in this, in this frame, it's still a modest number, but it's an interesting number. The other thing that's interesting about this is if you look at the growth across the sectors, you'll see pretty significant changes in all industry sectors. Can you guys see that in the back? No? Sorry. Um, so to give you some context, management, business, and financial services, no surprise, is the largest sector with the largest uh, amount of penetration. My team is laughing at me, I'm not sure why. <laughs> um, but that's the biggest sector with the most penetration. But you'll see a 41 percent, uh, percentage point gain. Um, additionally, you'll see a pretty significant gain in the, um, in the comp computing industry and information itself. So I thought, well, this is interesting. 10% of the population is teleworkers, but that doesn't tell the whole story. Is there more? So we took another look at this and uh, leveraged Forrester research. And I think this tells a really interesting story about the rise of the anytime, anywhere worker, which I think a lot of people in this room would agree that a lot of us, a large percentage, are really anytime, anywhere workers. Um, but if you look at these numbers, they say, 29% of our population, this is for Europe and the United States, are considered to be anytime, anywhere workers. And what was fascinating to me about this is they were pretty scientific about the way they defined that. They said there are three different categories we look at. 
One is, are you allowed, do you work from multiple locations? So that means two or more. Um, the second category was all about, do you, do you use a number of applications? And their definition was four or more, and you'll see 82% of the people surveyed use four or more applications. And then the third piece was all about using multiple devices. Um, and multiple devices, their benchmark was three or more devices. So if you take the population of those three, just like in math, you know, take circle one, circle two, circle three, and overlay them, that translates to 29% of our information economy is anytime, anywhere workers. The other really fascinating thing about this is the growth has been 15% to 29% in one year. 15% to 29% in one year. That was between 2011 and 2012. So a 14% increase, pretty significant, right? And we believe, based on their calculations and the trends and the information that they continue to circle and, and, and cycle through, that this is really just beginning. Um, that the, the penetration year by year will be really um, impressive and aggressive. And I think it would be fun to ask the question a year from now how much this has really changed. So mobility is a reality, right? Sorry, I thought I heard a question. Um, mobility brings value in a lot of ways. So certainly there's a lot of press about organizations and their mobility program being too aggressive, maybe not consistent with their strategic vision of the organization. But I think we'd all agree that mobility does bring value if in fact it's managed and introduced right. So it could be from a customer perspective. We rolled out a, a new and improved um, Salesforce model for Yelp Group, um, leveraging a co-working model. Um, and through that exercise, we were able to save 3% in sales. We were also able to look at the employees, and arguably that's the most important component piece, um, by putting in place a mobility program with Allstate, who was really struggling, like a lot of organizations today, to really penetrate and find the optimal talent for some of their actuarial positions. We were able to increase their attraction and retention number in that particular category. Costs. A lot of people still drive mobility and they focus almost exclu exclusively on costs. The good news is that companies like Motorola have been able to not only save 30% of their costs, but maintain and sustain that savings as their portfolio evolved. Um, and in other cases with AbbVie, we've changed their processing model, really coming up with an agile way of working so their teams can come together more quickly, more efficiently, and more effectively, which has actually driven success in their innovation cycle. So with that, with that backdrop, um, I wanted to introduce Chris, who's going to share a little bit of the Steelcase story. They've done a great job in taking these concepts, developing a strategy for their organization, and really are promoting and increasing mobility within their specific space envelope. With that, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Chris Congdon, and I just want to clarify before we start that I am not a real estate professional. So when it comes to the Q&A section, I just ask you to, to be a little gentle with me. Um, 
My, I have actually a really great job at Steelcase. Um, as probably a lot of you know, we do a tremendous amount of research about the workplace, and my job is really to, to share that research in a lot of different ways. Um, some of you might be familiar with a magazine we uh, produce called 360 Magazine, and I edit that for Steelcase. So I get an opportunity to um, see a lot of interesting things that we're learning and, again, to be able to share those and, and learn back and forth with different communities. So it's really great to be able to be here. And then, of course, the thing that we wanted to share today was some things that we're learning about in our own journey that we've gone through um, toward working in, in very new ways than we did in the past. Now, a lot of uh, people might think that within our industry, um, you know, we don't have the same kind of real estate issues that other other organizations might have that, you know, we've got it all perfectly figured out and we don't have any of the same kinds of challenges. But, but that's not true. We're a company like any other company. And so we have um, faced, uh, you know, real estate issues that we've had to try and work through. But the question that we really, as soon as I, the question that we really want to, um, we wanted to ask ourselves and that, you know, we propose would be something that other organizations might want to think about is, you know, can you solve a real estate problem? When you have a real estate problem to solve, can it be about something more than that? Can it be an opportunity that you can leverage to begin to solve um, issues that you want to address with your culture or with your brand or with your business strategy overall? So can you do a lot more than just solve this, this one kind of uh, narrow focused issue? And we feel like it can, and, and we've, uh, again, learned a lot in our journey on this. So uh, the journey began probably before 2000, but we've been in uh, over a decade-long kind of process of really having to resize our business, reinvent uh, what kind of business um, you know, model that we were working within. We had to really understand what kind of size was appropriate for the business we needed to be going uh, forward. We needed to be more agile. We needed to be a more uh, fit organization. And in the process of that, we went from an organization that had over 20,000 uh, employees when I started um, over to just a little over 10,000 today. So the organization resized itself in some pretty dramatic ways, which meant, of course, that we had excess real estate, right? We had to solve for that. Um, we also had buildings that were built in an era when people were working in very different ways. And some of those buildings were things that we felt like, you know, they could move forward, they, they could be uh, reinvented themselves. But other buildings we said, mm, you know, really best that we not try and invest more in that, we need to, to focus in other areas. So we had buildings that we needed to uh, address and solve for. We also had some underutilized spaces. Um, you know, these were some very attractive uh, spaces in our uh, former corporate uh, uh, headquarters cafeteria. And you're probably wondering why this might be underutilized, perhaps, when you see these photos. But uh, we had an issue that all of our spaces weren't being used uh, as well as they could. So same problems that a lot of organizations face. We just wanted to think about how we could begin to solve the problem a little bit. So we started on a journey with a project that internally we called Connect 12. And Connect 12 was really all about, as we um, turned 100 years old in uh, the year 2012, which again, I was not with the company when it started. I just want to be clear about that. Um, but we did want to kind of use our anniversary as a point to kind of uh, crystallize around what we wanted to be and what we wanted our spaces to be. And it really was all about connecting people, not only within our headquarters in, the, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, but our global organization. How could we bring people together from around the world? 
So it was a pretty big undertaking, and uh, we're not entirely finished with it. We view it as a, as a journey. So I'd love to be able to stand here today and tell you every single thing is completed, and we've got all of the metrics to be able to share. But we do have some things that we can tell you as we, we've gotten through some critical um, steps. And there's so much I could talk about today, but I really, I'm just going to focus in on a couple spaces as, as we talk through it, because um, I know that we're not going to have time to go through every single change that we've, we've had. Um, but as we tried to solve this problem, we said to ourselves, how could we approach it in a little different way? And so one way that you might want to think about as you're looking at, at changes is to think about how could you use your space. Again, we talked about your, your brand. How could you use that, um, your space to be able to support what you need to do with your organization's uh, reputation and brand in the marketplace? How you want to bring that together with your culture and then how your strategy comes together with that. What we found is when we began to think about all of those things together and to think about space as a vehicle that could begin to support some of those changes, it really created a, a cohesion that we weren't able to achieve before we started making these changes to our space. It really helped us to begin to, to live um, a lot of the uh, ideas that we'd been learning about and talking about. So some of the things that we wanted to try and achieve is we wanted to think about our culture um, we wanted to make sure that we were supporting a culture that was all about co-creation and innovation. That's really critical for, for our industry moving forward. We also wanted to make sure that it was an easy um, environment that just supported a lot of networking and a lot of connections for global teams, um, which can be really challenging. My team, for example, is based in uh, Grand Rapids, it's based in Chicago, it's based in Munich and in France and Cyprus and Toronto. and it's a little crazy trying to bring teams together like that. It can't all happen in a physical space. So we had to think about how we make things happen physically and virtually. Um, also for the brand, we wanted to create a very authentic experience. We didn't want to just have kind of this public, really awesome lobby that people came into, but if you walked behind the door, then you saw kind of the mess of all of it. You know, we wanted to make sure that as our customers, as designers and real estate people come and visit us, that they would see the same experience in a very authentic way that we work every day. And for our employees, we wanted our employees really to be able to live the brand, you know, to be able to live in an environment which is consistent with the things that, you know, we're sharing externally. So those were important things. And then finally, with the strategy, we wanted to really make sure that the physical environment could make the strategy visible to everybody who came in and visited us, to all of the employees, and make sure that our leadership uh, as well was very visible and accessible so people could understand where we are going as an organization. So how did we do that? Well, the first thing is we wanted to think about creating what we call an ecosystem of spaces. And some of the key principles around this ecosystem of spaces, a, a diverse range, if you think of an ecosystem in nature, it's the very same thing in a physical, physical environment. It's really spaces that are diverse, interdependent, interconnected, but we really wanted to use those as a way to focus on employees' well-being, which is critical for uh, achieving the level of innovation that we need to. So we wanted to think about people's physical well-being, but also their emotional and their cognitive well-being. So this ecosystem had a lot to do. Um, another key principle that we uh, felt was critical for this new strategy was uh, giving people choice and control over where and how they work. And what was important about that was that as we moved from a model of 
everybody having their own designated workplace to greater mobility, we wanted people, first of all, to have some choice in that decision, whether they would work mobily or not. But then on a daily basis, we also wanted to make sure that anybody, anytime, can choose the best place that they need to work in based on the task they need to do, based on their mood or their state of mind any given day, or their personality type. There's a lot of different things that impact you know, why we make the decisions we want to make about where we work. But it was critical for employees to feel that they were empowered. Um, and of course, you had to have that ecosystem of spaces for there to be choices. If you don't have options, there's no choice. So this was a critical principle for us as we uh, started working on this. Um, and one of the things that uh, we've been asked about a lot is when people make this transition from owning a, a space to working more mobily, how does that feel? How do you help um, make that transition happen easily? And we've found that really that freedom, that flexibility to work in these ways is really like the new status symbol. You know, it used to all be about the corner office and about, you know, how much square footage your office, you know, occupied, whether you had a window or not. And really what we're finding with, with workers today is having that sense that the organization trusts me to make the right decisions about where I work is really a new status symbol. It's a new way of thinking about, uh, you know, how important I feel to the organization. Oops, a little faster. Well, that one wants to go fast, but basically there's different modes of work that we want to try and support in the workplace. People need places where they need to be able to focus and collaborate and socialize. And an important one that we're really learning about more recently is that they need places to rejuvenate. And we often don't think about the workplace as a place where we rejuvenate. We think about it as a source of stress sometimes. But really, we, we know that we need to create places where people can get away without going away where they can um, have a moment to be able to collect their thoughts, to be able to you know, have the energy and the stamina that they need to do the heavy lifting of work today. Um, and so we want to create places where people can work alone, but places where they can work together. And we think about this in kind of a model of being able to have spaces that are shared and some spaces that are owned, some spaces that are for I work or individual work, and some that are for we work. And just within those spaces have a range of, of privacy options. You know, some that are more uh, open and others that are enclosed. Privacy is really a huge factor that we're learning as people become more mobile, that they need to be able to have among the choices that they have available to them, not just purely open plan spaces, but also um, spaces where they can be alone. So I, I have to do a quick plug here. If you haven't seen the October issue of the Harvard Business Review, um, we're really excited at Steelcase to have an article. Um, if you can't read the headline, it says, Why We Hate Our Offices. Um, we hope it's not people who are in Steelcase offices. But, um, but uh, this is where we share a lot of the work that we've been learning about, about privacy and some of our research. So if you get a chance, uh, we'd really love to have you take a look at that. Um, so that's an important thing that we really needed to try and balance in this whole ecosystem. Um, and finally, I just wanted to share with you kind of the, the, the vision or the thinking uh, that our CEO, Jim Keen, mentioned. He said, we, we set out specifically to use the work environment to improve employee engagement and retention to boost internal communication and renew our company culture. So we had some pretty big objectives.
that we're trying to reach. Okay, so what does this look like? Well, as Kai Rizdahl would say, let's do, a, do the numbers. Um, this is at a department level change. So this is just one space within this, this uh, master uh, plan, if you will. But uh, in one of the departments we had had, uh, or one of the changes, we had had uh, two departments before and we were able to bring in three departments, um, multiple locations. Um, we were able to increase the number of employees. And you can see the square footage per person was basically about half what it was before. And this space, that I'm trying to show you here. Okay, uh, this is one of the previous spaces. You can see there was a lot of uh, square footage allocated to individual work. Um, this is another uh, area that had been occupied before. Again, a lot of it was based on um, individual work, a little bit more together work, um, and, a, and a little bit of kind of collaboration space. And then in the new area, you can see that um, there's still spaces, people who still need to work alone, individual work who need to own their own workstation, or own workstation, excuse me. And they still do, they had choices about that. But now a lot more space where they could work individually, but in a nomadic way. They had choices where they could um, do their individual work, and also spaces where they could come together. So very kind of different distribution of the space in this particular department. And then just to give you a sense of kind of what it looks like, this is uh, an area for nomadic workers. They can choose wherever they wanna uh, set up camp for the day cafe in close adjacency so people have places where they can kind of rejuvenate. Um, this is kind of interesting, these spaces that were more designed for collaboration. We saw a lot of people sitting there working all day, side by side, totally ignoring each other, um, but just working individually. Probably because, you know, there's a, a nice vibe, that kind of coffee shop type of vibe that people really seem to like. Um, and a lot of technology available. That's a critical thing that we found is having devices, ways that we can take um, our information that we have on our individual devices and then display that easily for people to be able to see and get their mind wrapped around was kind of a critical part of our culture change. Uh, speaking of culture change, that again is kind of our circa 1983 uh, cafe and this was another really important part of the, this journey that we were on toward mobility. So this space uh, was pretty underutilized. People would go there and grab their coffee in the morning or go in for lunch. A lot of times they'd bring their food back to their desk because they didn't really want to sit there. It was kind of dark and, you know, just a it was a little sad, to be honest. Kind of a dark hallway that you went through to get, get there. And um, so it wasn't getting utilized a lot, but it was a lot of real estate. So we reimagined it, and from this floor plan, you can kind of get a, a sense of some of the, the changes that went on. Up in the uh, upper right-hand corner, one of the things we changed was rather than having this kind of dark hallway to get there, as we we opened up our main lobby and created a staircase that goes right down to this space so it invites people to come into it. Again, not just employees, but anybody who comes to visit us. And then a range of different spaces for all kinds of different modes of work, whether it be individual or group work, whether you wanna do it in the open or whether you wanna be enclosed. If you just wanna go have something to eat or have a cup of coffee, there's a range of things that you can do, which is why we, we called it the work cafe because it's bringing together both a place where you can legitimately get work done, but also with that kind of cafe type of experience. And just to give you a sense of, okay, this is what it's like today. You can see it's got a little, little more life than that 1983 version. And then um, a, a range of spaces. You can see a coffee shop over in the, in the back there that is very popular. Um, 
places, though, where people can work individually, where they can close a door and get a little bit of privacy when they need it, um, conference rooms, just a, a really diverse range of spaces. Again, a lot of um, uh, teleconferencing spaces and places where we could display work. So the technology, again, was a pretty important part of all of these changes. And then again, um, to look at the numbers here. Now, this is for the overall uh, project, not just this individual space. So when we think about all the changes we made on campus, um, you know, we were occupying three main buildings previously. Now we're down into two buildings, but really on one campus, and they're in very close proximity. Um, you know, a few more employees in the space, um, but we were able to drop the square footage, uh, square footage per, per um, person dropped significantly, but then we increased our mobility significantly. So about 40% of the employees within our corporate headquarters um, space are, are mobile. Um, and again, you know, they had, they had choices in, in that decision. So, um, so we really uh, found that this was, uh, we had a lot of gains from this, certainly from a real estate perspective. But also, when we, we thought about, you know, how are employees going to react to this, as I mentioned, choice was important, and they worried about you know, will I be able to find the best place to work? Um, is there going to be a seat for me? These are the kinds of questions that, that people often ask when they're going through a mobility program. Um, how will I find people if we're not sitting together? You know, how will we work through that? And so um, a lot of things that we did uh, with employees to kind of help get them ready for, for this is to really do some interactive workshops. We did a lot of interviews. Um, we spent a lot of time uh, with the teams really kind of helping them get uh, their mind wrapped around why we were making this change in the first place, that it wasn't just about condensing real estate, but it was really about reinventing ourselves. And we really um, shared with them a lot of things that we had learned through our research methodology, observations of how people were working. And it, it helped a lot to really, really be able to make that transition pretty smooth. Um, uh, again, I mentioned technology was important. I just wanted to point out that we went from uh, 24 to 58 telepresence units within our, our uh, main headquarters space. It's a critical part to the way uh, we work as a global organization, just to be able to stay in, in uh, easy contact with our colleagues from around the world. And um, the, other, the other thing that was a really important tool I want to just show a quick picture of is a, something we call a media wall. And when we talked about our branding goals, this was a way for us to be able to um, really make our brand transparent, again, to our employees, as well as uh, people who come into the space, um, as well as um, having a lot of mobile work tools. So you can see in the background, this, this is uh, what the media wall looks like. And when you were, if you come visit us, um, you'll come into our work cafe and you'll see this. But you'll see it in a lot of other spaces around in, in different locations as well. We have kind of similar versions. And it's just a way for us to share something that, you know, is news, that, you know, maybe there was a project that we won that we're excited about, or that it's Chinese New Year, or that, you know, Germany won the World Cup, what, you know, whatever. There's, there's kind of uh, fun things to be able to share about us as, as just human beings, but also business things. Our Twitter feed is up there. So it's really a great way for people to be able to feel that sense of connection, uh, which was one of our, our big goals as we went into it. Um, and so then, you know, finally, in terms of what are some of the other, you know, maybe softer metrics uh, that we felt like we, we had an impact on. Um, is trust. You know, trust was a, a big thing to have people feel like, you know, again, it was a transparent organization and that they felt a sense of belonging within that organization. Um, not as soft as, you know, 
we've had some pretty good increases in market shares and some pretty good increases in growth as an organization that we're, we're fe we feel really good about. And could we say that that was all a result of having a physical change in our space? Yeah, there were, maybe not all, there are a lot of other things that were going on that allowed us to make that happen. But uh, our VP of sales said it really well when he said, you know, a lot of the changes we, we achieved were with productivity gains. It, it's not more hours, it's just easier to get things done now. And it's easier to connect, make decisions, and to collaborate more efficiently. So we feel like making the space and change, changing the space really allowed us to, to take this mobility strategy and achieve a lot of objectives with it uh, beyond just saving real estate. So thank you for that. And I'll turn it over to... Can I ask you a question first? Oh, um, sure. So you talked about 40% mobility. What yeah. is your definition of a mobile employee? Yeah, mobile workers uh, within Steelcase have a choice of basically a range of spaces that they could work from. That does include being able to work off campus to be able to work at home, as well as to be able to work pretty much any location uh, within the campus. So they don't own a desk. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you for that. Sure thing. Thanks. Now, John is going to share a little bit more on mobility from a different perspective by looking at third places and the rise in co-working. Well, thank you for having me here today. They, um, they said that they needed somebody from Regis, um, and I, you know, I showed up. But actually, I, I do have a background there, uh, ran the Americas uh, for Regis for a time. And so, um, that's a little bit of the credibility maybe in mobility. Uh, at Regis, we extended platforms, real estate platforms for, uh, for companies and for individuals. Uh, today, and just briefly on Serendipity Labs, it's, we're growing a network of members-only workplaces and collaboration centers that allow individ uh, individuals, uh, prof professionals and uh, corporate workers to have a place uh, to work in that continuum of, of mobility, not just the mobility that happens at a campus, uh, but beyond that, and using the same principles uh, that you heard a lot about today, uh, including uh, you know I versus we, uh, shared versus own, but we also have us versus them because you know we're in shared environments. So if you kind of put another dimension on that, um, so enough about me, um, and enough about Serendipity Labs, I think. Although, except uh, part of why I'm here too is that we're opening a 30,000 square foot location at One South Wacker next week. And so it all tied in very nicely uh, to be here. So uh, if you uh, would like an invitation to the grand opening next week, uh, see these handsome blonde gentlemen here um, after, the, after the talk. So, um, you know, 20 plus years of this, uh, evangelizing the future of work, hearing about what's going to happen in mobility, seeing the numbers, all the reports now, Forrester comes out with a great new number that, that comports with everything we believe. Um, and everyone's trying to figure out what to do about mobility. Um, so we feel very good about that. Uh, the challenges that companies have, of course, is that they are transitioning from this idea of, it's a paradigm of freedom versus control with their employees and with their space and with the things that they govern. Um, it's kind of an analog strategy. Um, and so one of the things that we did actually in partnership with uh, Steelcase Applied Research and Consulting was we invited um, a number of workplace strategy leaders, some of you are in the room, I think, to. Um, to really work with each other and talk with each other about what has been working and what's not working and what's real and what's just up on the panel that people talk about, that one group that's always doing it great. You know, what's real? And so it was a very safe environment, um, and we promised not to share any names or details, but I would like to um, walk you through some of the things that they shared. And um, if you 
you know, don't raise your hand or shout out. If you recognize the company, just kind of keep it to yourself. So thinking about this freedom and control in the early stages of, of these programs, what we heard was that, um, that they had some challenges. Um, like my remote. So the challenges that they were having um, were also accompanied by a little bit of the right idea. So you can see there's great employee engagement here. Everybody's at the office. Um, it's, they've gone to the open plan uh, work format, and everybody's really productive. And you can see the managers over there are very well behaved, and they're you know watching over everyone. Now, so they're doing some things really well. But if you look in you know in our subject's eyes here, um, you know you see that he's longing for something more. And so you know <laughs> yes, there's a dimension that's missing, right? And so. Um, so what is it? is it? Is it freedom? Is it being liberated to go work wherever you want? And what we found was that the same companies or, well, there's actually another company I'll show you in a second, where they actually let everybody go work at home. And well, you see how that worked out. Um, now, so this particular gentleman is an executive who's got a better work-life balance, right? He has a lot of the, um, you know, comforts of home. He has the bed desk, which is new, coming out. Uh, and he's using the schoolgirl posture, which is one that we've really helped work out for him. Uh, but the, the point is, is that they are doing some things well, which is lowering costs, but at the expense of what? Um, how, how's he going to collaborate with anybody else? How is he going to uh, have any peer interaction uh, or any credibility with his peers if he's got that iPhone 4 connection, which I still have, by the way? Um, don't raise your hand if you have an iPhone 6 Plus. Um, the other, the, some, another company had this, a very similar issue uh, with trying to let everybody go out, but they didn't, they didn't mean it, right? So, uh, so they said, okay, everybody's going to be mobile. You can work from wherever you want. We're the new company. We have, we love you. We're going to liberate you. Uh, but you can't use any of your equipment in public. You can't show, you know. So this is an idea of compliance, really, being, getting in, you know, a culture of compliance and control, getting in the way of uh, using public spaces and third, third spaces. Uh, I think I have a couple more. It, that's not the company, Starbucks, obviously. Um, and then there was a company that um, was very, very generous and said, look, you can work from anywhere, um, but you're on your own. And you can run into some interesting characters when, when you do that. And I think having a supported, you know, a supported workforce is very, very important. So, so as, you, as you think about all those things, they all seem like the right thing to do, but they weren't executed with an integrated program. And an integrated program requires and is more and more requiring, um, keeping in mind what the individual wants, what the worker wants. They, have now, they now have choice, um, and they're exercising their choice. Um, one of the things about being in your business, uh, which is what I'm in, uh, in a commercial way, is that our members vote every day with their feed. And they either will part with money for it, or they won't. Your members uh, kind of have you know, they may tell you, they may not tell you what's going on. So it's very, so what we're learning is, uh, of course, that if you are a company that you want to give choice, you may not have absolute control, but you do want visibility. You do want to see what's happening. You want to be able to measure it. And so, um, again, from the Applied Research and Consulting Group um, Summit and our own work over 20 years, we've kind of come up with this kind of two-sided coin of choice and visibility that the company gets what they want, and the mobile worker or the employee gets what they want. Um, and so you see the multiple facets here. So um, my daughter, when she saw this, she said, but she's getting wet. Uh, so that doesn't make sense. But, but really, the personal facet as a, for a mobile or a professional worker 
here is to have a sense of security and safety when they're away from their office. Uh, is it a place that I feel um, you know, physically safe? Is it, is, um, whereas um, and the company really wants to make sure that you know, the technology is safe and the connections are safe and the, if you have to be HIPAA compliant or confidentiality or Sarbanes-Oxley, what's happening? Where can you go for that? Um, a third space provider maybe, some, you know, um, or create your own, which some are doing as well. Um, also, the individual wants a service level. Um, your best, most talented workers who you're um, allowing to work in this way are used to being treated well in a hospitality format. They're used to getting a certain service standard to have things work the way they're supposed to work, and when something's not working, for it to be fixed. Uh, you spoil them, many of you, some don't, but many uh, spoil them with great remote support, you know, desktop support, and all kinds of cafes and other activities for them to be engaged in. Service level standards play both ways. The company needs them and the individual. So it's really a hospitality standard for the individual and, a, um, and the corporate compliance standards for the company. Um, the, other, the other aspect is connection. And so this goes in a variety of ways. You can imagine that the individual likes to be connected to uh, other, uh, other professionals, not alone on the, on the bed desk um, necessarily, but, but they also need to be connected to the company. And they need to be connected to their, uh, their teams. So connection is really important. And so having a place that you can get, uh, literally get a good connection, a good, tele a good telepresence or a good video conference or a good landline and a quiet room to get things done is really important. Um, being mobile, um, if anyone's ever worked, uh, been to a conference in a hotel, I know we all have, um, and you've tried to get some work done, uh, it's impossible, right? Because there's nowhere to go. And so designing spaces um, for the, you know, for what we call the three C's of, of collaboration, a connection, and cogitation, because we like the artful aid of alliteration, had to have another C. And so that is, that's a really important aspect of the design, integrated into it. It's not just that you have uh, the right technology. Um, sustainability, uh, companies, uh, multinational companies, have their own standards and, and reporting and such. Uh, companies have their own thesis and their, uh, in order to attract uh, workers uh, having that value system is important, but the workers themselves have a value system. And um, c commuting, you know, might be against that value system if it's an unnecessary commute uh, to a central headquarters where your team isn't there, they're in other headquarters, <laughs> they're in other buildings. Um, so sustainability is something that, as you think about mobility and creating mobility plans, that there's another dimension of it that's the, the employee's sustainability and whether or not you're saving commutes. and. Uh, I don't believe that the standards today require companies to count their employee commute as part of their, uh, as a part of their carbon footprint, but if they did, I think they would create a lot of discipline um, in that. Um, and then of course, and this is in, in rank order, but inspiration, it's a very tough one. Uh, it's really more around uh, providing environments that people can be the best, uh, whatever they are. Um, and that takes a physical environment, but it takes all these other aspects as well. And it's really there about self-actualization, about people wanting to be associated with your company and your brand and your team because it's, it's allowing them to be the best that they want. And that's what we, that's what we want as human beings. Um, but of course, you need visibility. So you need uh, to have program that can extend your platforms, uh, real estate platforms, that give you reporting on presence. You know, how often are they using 
a third place? How often are they at the office? And integrating that data in a way that you can see what's happening. Otherwise, you're just seeing what's happening at the office uh, or you're seeing what's happening mobile. Our members and, the, and companies that um, uh, sponsor those memberships uh, get to see not only physical presence, check-in, check-out, where they've been sitting, what devices they're using, how much bandwidth they're pulling, how many, you know, who's, who's in the meeting with them, is it a company person, another company employee or not? So those are some really interesting things that, that in, a mo in a really fulsome mobility plan with the right partners you can, you can get at. Uh, and then there's that ROI justification which allows you to get the program rolling um, and continuing it. So uh, this is a bit stretched out. That's the Serendipity Labs in New York. Uh, as, um, as, as we were hearing earlier, lots of different types of spaces uh, but what's happening is that we're not the only ones. Others, you know, these are proliferating. You know, hotels are getting into the business. Um, they've spent $6 billion reinventing their spaces. They're creating, you know, they're killing the, the business centers that are in the, in the hotel and they're creating new spaces and we're part of that with them. Um, corporate co-working uh, and high performance meeting centers, we would call that co-working for grown-ups as opposed to the kind of the down market creative class, I wouldn't want to work in that neighborhood kind, um, which, some people do want to work in that neighborhood, uh, but we're serving the, you know, a different market. That's somewhat new. Um, and then, of course, you see the business lounges and the airport. Everything's a co-working place. Everything's got the high communal seating with, a, with access to uh, a better way to work. Uh, so it's, it's because of this 30% you know, uh, of the workforce um, that has become mobile, a number that our kind of research is showing or our review of research is showing, uh, looks to be growing to about 60% uh, by 2020. So that's, that's, you know, that's a 75 million person number. Uh, where are they gonna sit if they're, not at, uh, if they're not always at the headquarters or the company on spot? Um, and as I was saying earlier, because we have to win our daily bread you know, by pr providing a service um, as, in, as a commercial aspect of this, uh, we, it becomes very, very efficient. Um, we do a lot of testing and we do a lot of measurement to find out the, the spaces and the, and the services that work best. Therefore, we can do it at a, often a lower cost than inventing one's own mobility um, network. So, a little bit about that. Um, it's another uh, Serendipity Labs, just spaces within the facility. Um, but it's workplaces hospitality management. You know, five years ago, or 10, depending on what industry you're in, and it was facilities management, and it was square feet under, you know, under management. And now it's, uh, the metrics are all changed. The metrics are, are very different. And it's about the satisfaction and giving people good choices. And then following up and measuring it to make sure that um, you're, you're achieving the result. Um, you know these, so I'm not going to go through them. Um, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the end result. It's workplace policies that balance that choice. But you have to have an integrated plan to do that, and that sometimes means a lot of work like Steelcase has done. Um, it was like a 10-year program, right, to get just internally uh, to that point. Um, so, John, you have like one minute. Good, fine. I love the passion. I love the passion with my partners here. Somebody specifically asked the question about Serendipity Labs versus a liquid space. Can you put some uh, context sure. around that? Um, yeah, so Liquid Space is a booking path. So think of booking something through Travelocity Business to book a hotel. Uh, that Liquid Space is, is a 
a booking tool. It's an app and it's a mobile. And uh, I actually served on the on the on their board uh, in their early days. Uh, but where Serendipity Labs is a physical workplace that you can become a member of, uh, and a growing network of workplaces that meet corporate standards. So that's the difference. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so we had a couple of questions interested in understanding your pilot program and how or if it's actually being rolled out across the entire global portfolio. Um, yeah, uh, that's a good question. And, and part of that process is as we became a more globally integrated organization is we had to think about our, our spaces, not just at our headquarters in Michigan, but our spaces around the world. So, you know, different facets of the program being implemented, you know, it's you can't go through an entire world and change everything all at once. Um, but we have been going through and incorporating a lot of the things that we're learning in, uh, in a, a wide variety of our spaces around the world. Great. So there were also, there was a lot of interest in metrics. How do you measure success? You talked about some of the areas. Are you actually, have you developed a balanced scorecard and can you come back in a year and tell us how you've achieved against those metrics? Um, yeah, you know, there, there's a, a wide variety of metrics that we, we've looked at and, um, you know, some of them ranging from, you know, today I, I kind of focus more on the real estate end of, of things and then some of the higher level ones. But, you know, we're also looking at, um, you know, employee satisfaction levels, um, you know, being able to look at, at engagement and look at our culture and how that's changing. So there's a lot of things. Be happy to share more of them with you either next year or some Back in a year. So <laughs> okay. no pressure there. They're, they're keeping their eyes on you. Um, so is mobility dangerous to the business? Would love both perspectives. Well, I think I, I, I took us through some of the dangerous parts of it. Um, without integra an integrated and thoughtful strategic plan, then you just have kind of point solutions for individuals. You don't really have a strategic value to, to the program. And yes, you know, uh, intellectual property um, in public places is, is, is a concern. Right. You know, I, I think that we were having a really interesting conversation last night about kind of this tension between how much do you want to have nomadic work versus cohesion. And I, I think that's a, a balancing act that organizations are going to have to figure out is like how much is right. We, we know that when people are too nomadic and too dispersed that you do begin to lose a connection to the culture. Um, you do begin to lose a sense of, again, that kind of strategic cohesion that we were talking about before. Um, so I, I think it's really a, it is a tension that organizations are trying to figure out. We're trying to figure out uh, for ourselves. But we know that even if people aren't physically present in the workplace, um, there's a high expectation that they're virtually present. Meaning you can't just go off, um, you know, kind of go off on your own and be isolated. You really need to make sure that you are, people are seeing you and hearing you and you're engaged. Absolutely. Um, I remember, I think this is an old enough story I can get away with telling it, um, but I've had the privilege of working with Dan Johnson with Accenture for a lot of years, and I think it was 12 years ago, the CFO of that organization decided that they wanted to save money and improve their operating costs. 
So without any change management program at all, he basically overnight said we're moving everybody away from non-dedicated space. And the interesting thing about that story was literally in a publication called Consultant News, which I'm sure all of you read on a regular basis, um, employees from the top consulting firms rate their level of satisfaction with their own employer, in essence. And the year before this change was announced, they ranked number two. The following year, they dropped to number 24. So back to my starting point, space has a reason and a purpose, and the successful organizations are the one that really understand and build a strategic game plan for defining the purpose of place and putting in place the right metrics for success, right? Um, so there were, a there were a lot of questions about bring your own device. Um, does that impact the effectiveness of the mobile worker? And how are companies addressing working um, in that sort of environment? Do either of you have an opinion on that? Well, I think bring your own device is here, right? And so is bring your own workplace is here. And so companies are now, at a, uh, much like with bring your own device, uh, in a point of trying to wrap policy around that that supports what's already happening, keeping in mind that the employees are making all these choices whether you want them to or not. <laughs> so I think that is the, that is, that's the challenge is to get out and back in front. And that same thing happened in business travel with you know, online bookings and everybody went outside and booked their own. And it's the same thing is happening in a workplace. Yeah, it's interesting on the bring your own device, um, for those, those of you who asked this question, the Forrester research actually addresses this specifically. And I won't get the percentages right, but they do talk about BYOD is like 17% of the population, but employees have actually gotten ahead of the companies and more and more companies are viewing this as an acceptable alternative. So companies are viewing this as a way to really push aggressively mobility solutions. So the BYOD is actually viewed from a mobility perspective as a very positive thing. And the CIOs recognize that one of their top five challenges in today's current environment is to be able to support the BYOD. But the vast majority of the corporations are in fact heading that direction. Um, so I'm just curious. We talk about co-working. Um, if you fast forward five years from now, what percentage of the Fortune 1000 companies will in fact deploy some element of a co-working solution? Uh, well, of course I'm gonna say 100%. Um, <laughs> of no, but I, th I think that, um, again, giving people choice uh, and giving them a good choice is better than giving them a choice and, and, and letting them go on their own. And I think uh, there is a cost justification where you can extend your platform, your real estate platform, and variableize it using co-working, we'll call it, um, in ways that allow you to manage costs as cycles come and go or as teams pop up and, and, and come down. And business cycles are short, product cycles are even shorter, uh, and even company cycles, you know, companies pop up and go through their life cycle very quickly now, and to have fixed real estate, you know, have 10% of your real estate as variable if you can. Can I offer just a, a little counterpoint to that? Absolutely. I, I, I'm not sure if, if we're thinking it's going to be 100% or, or not. 100% uh, of companies, not 100% uh, of individuals. Yeah. Well, or, right. or, or even 100% of companies. Uh, I mean, there really are, you know, there's kind of a big debate going on a lot right now where a lot of organizations are starting to, to question, again, that tension I spoke about the, between 
being a nomad and having cohesion. And we've seen, you know, a lot of you heard the, the news a couple years ago when Yahoo announced that they weren't going to allow people to work remotely. Everybody was coming back in. A lot of the big tech firms taking pretty hard positions that they wanted people primarily to be in the office. Um, I'm not saying that there won't continue to be a lot of uh, people wanting to, to use co-working facilities and different satellites, but but I, we really think that this is an issue that organizations are, are struggling with finding what the, the right balance is right now. I, I do agree with that, but at the same time, each individual, each of you, you use a continuum of workplaces, and so maybe you need a, a light membership or your company sponsors a light membership, whereas someone else who's trying to have a satellite office or put a small team together has a more uh, fulsome uh, membership with dedicated team room or something. And so I think it's really just what you need. And if you can turn it on and off, how great is that? Right. It's interesting, Gallup research supports that the highest engagement levels come from people who have a, a wide variety of work options. So it's not from the people who are at-home workers, it's not from the 100% in-office workers, it's actually that midsection that feel like they can work anytime, anywhere, and it's a pretty significant differential. You had a question? Yeah, Deb, right back here. Uh, it's a question for John in, in terms of your co-working uh, company. What are your criteria? I know it's a members-only group, but I know some of the other co-working um, organizations are pretty selective in terms of trying to create an incubator-type environment. What is your philosophy in terms of membership? Right. So the question, of course, is about uh, what is the criteria for becoming a member. Uh, there are co-working, again, the creative class co-working tends to be more of a club uh, format where they're trying to... Um, put like-minded people together or an industry group together. We're not. We, we have a broad spectrum of members, and so um, it's, it's more a matter of it's a match for your need um, than you become a member. So membership is really just a, a, a concept for describing how we treat you, that it's hospitality, that it's not a, it's not a landlord-tenant relationship. Great. Well, thank you guys very much. It was interesting when they first reached out to me to talk about mobility. What was first on my mind is my particular hot button, my platform these days is really all about sitting as the new smoking. So we talked about mobility between places. We talked about mobility within your space. And my new challenge to my Steelcase buddies, and Megan's taken good care of me with my very first treadmill desk, is thinking about how you incorporate mobility of person into the space solutions that you define going forward. So just something to think about. Um, and if you can read that wanted for manslaughter, um, so no pressure, redesign is in your agenda. So thank you guys very much for participating. Our call to action is really all about understanding that these are great ideas, these are great solutions, but real estate is a strategy that has to support your business strategy. So developing something that's customized for your clients, uh, something that's customized for your company, is really what's going to move the needle. So thanks so much for your time and your participation, and for those of you who ask questions, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks again to uh, Deb and John and Chris. It was a great panel today. Please fill out your surveys. And we're having a programs committee meeting immediately after this if you'd like to uh, join us at the committee meeting. Uh, don't forget your real awards table sales. Let's give it up again for our great panel. We'll see you all at the next luncheon in, uh, in December. Thank you.